Judges chapter 11. And we have been sharing different characters of the Bible. Real people of God in history. I know we use the word characters and we use the word stories, but it's, it's a biblical account of God's people in, in, in a time in the past. And it's a timeless word. And there's something to gather from every one of these people of God who we are sharing. A lot of them we are sharing uh, will be those that we haven't heard a whole lot about of, uh, maybe. Tonight, in Judges 11, it's Jephthah. You can say Jephthah if you want. Everybody say Jephthah. All right, that's who we're sharing tonight. I want to encourage the, the young people that even though you love being upstairs on Wednesday night, I, I just want to tell you that as I thought about this message for a couple of weeks, I, I thought about you and I thought if I ever needed a quick message for the teenagers upstairs, this would be it. So the bad news is I don't have that quick message now, but the good news is you're about to get it right now, and it's, it's not just good for teenagers, it's good for all of us as we look at this mighty man, Jephthah, here in Judges chapter 11. As we know, Moses led the children of Israel, and Moses failed to glorify God in a situation and, and it was made known to Moses that he would not go into the promised land. And Moses died. And Moses' apprentice was called to now lead the children of Israel, which was Joshua. And Joshua led the children of Israel over into the promised land to the securing of the promised land through through battle and through the instruction of the Lord. And so we learn about Joshua, leader of the children of Israel, in the book of Joshua. After the book of Joshua is the book of Judges. And so there were judges throughout this book that we learn of, and they led the children of Israel as well. And the one we're going to speak of tonight, though, is Jephthah. He was a judge in Israel for approximately six years. We find the name Jephthah in the New Testament, and we find him in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 32. Jephthah is a hero of the faith, and we will come back and talk more about that in just a little while. Verse 1 says of Jephthah, that he was a mighty man. And the rest of the chapter that we're going to share tonight expounds on how he was a mighty man and all that he went through. So what a good man of God to share at the beginning of the year here. We have a faithful man of God in this person of Jephthah. And we need more of that today. We need men of God in this generation. Those who are mighty men can be called mighty men who trust the Lord. We need them today. We need their strength in the home. We need their strength in the Lord's church. 
Our families need men of character like this man we're going to share tonight. Wives need husbands who are great men of God. Children need their fathers. What made Jephthah such a mighty man of God and so rich in faith? Well, first of all, he overcame the odds. And before I read verses 1 through 3, let me say this. I, I, what, the way I'm, what I'm about to say and the way I'm about to say it, I'm not going to be a hypocrite when I really feel for your situation. I, I'm going to feel for what you have to go through. And, and there are things we all have to go through in life. There are things we've all been through in life. And it is a process of overcoming Yet, you, there are a lot of there. There's a lot of misdirection in the world concerning what we have to overcome and how we overcome it. Actually, we are crippled from overcoming things by by secular counsel that we might receive. So I don't mean to cut this with a jagged knife, but I do want it to be clear. So let's look at Jephthah and overcoming the odds in verses one through three. It says, now Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of an harlot, and Gilead begat Jephthah. And Gilead's wife bare him sons, and his wife's sons grew up, and they thrust out Jephthah, and said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman." Then Jephthah fled from his brethren and dwelt in the land of Tob. And there were gathered vain men to Jephthah and went out with him. Jephthah was, verse 1, the son of a harlot. Jephthah was, verse 2, the son of a strange woman. Jephthah had brothers. They were all tight-knit brothers, but Jephthah was the half-brother. And they rejected him. They didn't want him. They didn't like him. They shunned him. He was shunned by family. He was disowned by them. They looked down upon him. They didn't want to share their father's inheritance with him. So they thrust him out and he ends up in the land of Tob. He ends up in a bad environment. He ends up around a whole lot of people who are not good for him. It is a very unhealthy situation for Jephthah to be in. All of his surroundings would just take him down. And the atmosphere wasn't good. If you could say of anyone they didn't have a chance because of their upbringing, it would be Jephthah. And let me go ahead and interject something right now. I have said that before. I have said that, and I'm afraid that's something I'm saying in my flesh when I would say so-and-so just doesn't have a chance because of the circumstances in their life. You know what? We need to qualify that with but God. But God, and, and, and we're going to see that in a special way here tonight. Look, Jephthah, he had it rough coming up. He was in a bad environment. Yes, he was, but we see here 
in the first verse that he is a mighty man of valor. The therapist would say, it's someone else's fault. It's not your fault. You're innocent. You should be guilt-free. You're the victim. There, there's a world full of so-called victims because of what people have put in their mind, which is so horrible because it hinders them from getting the victory that they could have in Jesus Christ. You pay someone what to say to you and they're going to tell you what your flesh wants to hear instead of what is needed to hear. We do not have to be a product of our environment. God is greater than all of our surroundings. Everyone can break out of the bondage of a bad background. There are many people calling themselves victims in this world, living in their past, making excuses for the things that they do, dismissing their wrongdoing and excusing their guilt. And unfortunately, there are many people out there helping them, whispering these things in their ear. You know, if we're going to accuse someone else for what we're doing and the way we are, we are only crippling ourselves. I'm not mad about that in other people. I feel bad about that in other people if it's misguided. If, if someone is deceived into thinking they're the vil they're victim and because of what they've been through, they just need to live their life and they can live their life guilt-free. Every now and then I walk through the grocery store and I see something that, that I normally would try not to eat, but it says guilt-free on the package. And you know what? When you eat a whole bunch of it, it doesn't work. It's not guilt-free. There are people living every which way you can think of, and they're telling themselves they're guilt-free. They don't have guilt because of this, because of that, because of this person, because of that person. And they play the blame game, and they live in their guilt and they never diagnose themselves the right way. And if there's no proper diagnosis of what's going on in the life, there is going to be no cure. Someone comes to mind um, outside of this church, you never know who's listening, but, but someone who might be about my age is still living in the sympathy of something that happened to them when they were 21 years old, that they had a fault in, that they had wrongdoing in as well. And it has done them absolutely no good to try to live in the sympathy of others all this time. Look, God is greater than our bad genes. God is greater than anything we have been through in our past.
the world of victims need to come to terms with their guilt. The proper, appropriate, healthy, successful road to victory for a life is to come to terms with one's own guilt. And when that happens, there is grace that is greater than all our sin. The Lord is greater than our lot in life. There are many wonderful Christians who have a a difficult lot in life to bear. But God brings successful people through those situations, through that lot in life. Living in our past... It it just creeps up. No one would probably say they want to do it. But many people are living in their past. And that's never the answer. And there's no excuse for doing so. Nothing has had or has such a stronghold on us that Almighty God can't break us out of. He will. The power of God is greater than our odds. Jephthah overcame his odds. This Jephthah, son of a harlot, son of a strange woman, was a strong, mighty man, a mighty man of valor. He overcame his odds. And so can anyone who will stop looking around or stop looking behind them and look to the Lord Jesus for what He can do that no one else can do in a life. He not only overcame His odds, but He was bold in battle. Go with me in verses 4 through 11. It says, And it came to pass in process of time that the children of Ammon made war against Israel. And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob. And they said unto Jephthah, Come and be our captain, that we may fight with the children of Ammon. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Did not ye hate me and expel me out of my father's house? And why are ye come unto me now when ye are in distress? And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we turn again to thee now, that thou mayest go with us and fight against the children of Ammon and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, If you bring me home again to fight against the children of Ammon, and the Lord deliver them before me, shall I be your head? And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, The Lord be witness between us, if we don't do, do not, if we do not so according to thy words. Then Jephthah, Jephthah, went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and captain over them. And Jephthah uttered all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. Jephthah is bold in battle. Jephthah was a strong man. 
He was a strong man because of God. He was a man of faith. He's listed as a hero of the faith. The story isn't by his name. It's just his name there in Hebrews 11. But we have a story of Jephthah as a man of faith right here. He's a hero. He looked beyond all of his surroundings and his past and how he was brought up and the difficult, unfortunate circumstances he had. He looked beyond that and he gained insight into the things of God and what God will make out of a man no matter what. He's among quite a list of men. I mean, you have Gideon. Barak, right there in Hebrews eleven thirty two. You have Samson, he's right there beside David. And Samuel, this Jephthah, is mentioned right there with these heroes. Heroes of the faith. This man whose brothers had tossed him to the curb because of his mother's situation. And them not wanting him in the family. Maybe he was half Canaanite. I don't know. But he was tossed out. And those who tossed him out went looking for him when trouble came. When the children of Ammon waged war against Israel. They go looking for Jephthah. They went looking for a man who does not respond in fear when danger is on the horizon. Jephthah wasn't phased by his enemies. Of course, you're careful. Of course, there's a war before you. But Jephthah did not live in fetal position, you know, cuddled up in himself whenever trouble and danger came his way. He was a man of God. He was a strong man of God. He was called upon to deliver his brothers and the people of Israel. He was cast aside. He was kicked out. He was shunned. And then he's called upon in time of trouble. I'm not about to try to go into some lengthy type of Christ that Jephthah is or anything like that. But he was cast out and he was run to. And that'll make us think of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord is tossed aside until there's a time of trouble. And then he is called upon by many. We know that God is not invited into most of the schools today. And prayer is not invited into the school. But I kid you not, I heard about a school who they don't want God, they don't want prayer, but they put a clause in their rule. If there is ever an attack on the school, they're going to override their rule during that attack and they're going to call on God and they're going to pray. I heard it as literally stated by the school that that's what they would do. And many are out of school but have not learned 
They're just like the schools. People everywhere treat the Lord in the same way in their individual lives. Jephthah goes on to say in verse 9, when he says, shall I be your head? He's basically saying, am I going to be your leader then? Look, you're calling me in. You've kicked me to the curb. You're calling me back. You want my help in this battle. Am I going to be your leader? And again, that makes me think about our Lord Jesus Christ. Because many, many want to call upon Him as Savior to come rescue them from their situation. But He is Lord. He is boss. He only accepts being Lord and Savior. There has to be acknowledgement of His Lordship and salvation. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. So He's not just Savior, He is Lord. He doesn't place Himself as just Savior from our struggles, but Lord of our life. Jephthah was called upon for his strength, his boldness, his confidence, and notice what he does when it is time to go into battle against Ammon. We see in verse 11, at the end of the verse, and Jephthah uttered all his words before the Lord in Mitzvah. Prayer was Jephthah's first resort. He first went to prayer. It's the last resort for many. Many talk about help they get into this, they get into in this world to try to help them out of their situation, and they go see someone who has studied in school about the psyche, about the mind, and, and how to get to someone's mind to help them, and they end up sending them down the wrong road. And look, Jephthah, he talked to, to his God. He went to his Lord. When we talk to God, he will break the bondage of our past and take away the fear of our enemies and make us bold in battle. It's a relationship with the Lord. It's not rocket science. It's not some big complicated 10-part sermon I need to preach over two and a half months. He knew his God and he had confidence in his God and he looked to his God and he knew that God was greater than anything in his life, anything in his past that was trying to cause scars and hindrance in his life. Whatever danger you are facing, whatever past event seems to be trying to dictate your future, let us be encouraged by this man Jephthah that faith overcomes fear and that God will put our past behind us. God will raise us up above those things that we have experienced that try to hold us down. And in that state, here we will be able to help others in their time of need. 
you would think someone like Jephthah, you would think that he didn't have a chance. You would think that he would need help, that he would need support from others. But God has raised this man up. He has faith in the Lord, and God has brought him to such a place that he is called on in time of need. Would you consider, you don't consider here how great Jephthah is. You consider here how great God is, how God is interested in every one of our lives, how God is greater than any struggle or any difficulty or any problem we've ever faced in our lives and he's the one that it can help us to rise above it. I'm not saying it won't be close by. I'm saying we might be dragging something along all of our lives but it's not going to hinder us. God will make us to persevere. He has made Jephthah to persevere. 1 John Chapter 4, verse 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That, say, that, say that often. That's a, that's a good verse to say. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Something else comes up, something else tries to rise up. Greater is he that is in me, make it personal, than he that is in the Lord. I can, in the world, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We can refuse to let the present dangers cause us to curl up and to wither away. This man, Jephthah, this man with the past that he had, he over came the odds he was bold in battle and he wouldn't break his word Jephthah was a man of his word look with me if you will in verses 29 through 36 then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah and he passed over Gilead and Manasseh and passed over Mizpah of Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead, he passed over unto the children of Ammon. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord, and said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands, then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace, from the children of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. So Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands. And he smote them from Orur, even till thou come to Mineth, even twenty cities, and unto the plain of the vineyards with a very great slaughter. Thus the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. And Jephthah came to Mizpah unto his house, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with, the timbr with timbrels and with dances, and she was his only child. Beside her he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, and thou art one of them that trouble me, for I 
have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. And she said unto him, My father, if thou hast opened thy mouth unto the Lord, do to me according to that which proceeded out of thy mouth. For as much as the Lord hath taken vengeance for thee and thine enemies, even of the children of Ammon. And she, let's go ahead and keep reading. And she said unto her father, let this thing be done for me. Let me alone two months that I may go up and down upon the mountains and bewail my virginity, I and my fellows. And he said, go. And he sent her away for two months. And she went with her companions and bewailed her virginity upon the mountains. And it came to pass at the end of two months that she returned unto her father, who did with her according to his vow, which he had vowed. And she knew no man. And it was a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite, four days in a year. This mighty man of valor... This great man of faith, he not only prayed to the Lord, but he promised the Lord. Now, in what we read here, I don't know who or how many might say that this was a human sacrifice that happened of his daughter. I have never been able to believe that. There's too much contradiction in the Bible against something like that happening. And, and so when we look at this, it goes against too much of God's word. Jephthah is not a heathen who is praying to a heathen God led by some foul spirit. Jephthah is a man of God led by the Spirit of God who was empowered to lead in taking out the enemies of God, leading the Israel in this God's people. I could understand if it was a heathen with a false God, but he's a man of faith in the true and the living God. What took place here? What could have taken place here? Well, as we look in verse 31, when he says, When I return in peace from the children of Ammon, shall surely be... Then it shall be, let me just start over in the whole verse, that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the children of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. That word and right there, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering, it also means or. You look up that word and in the original language, and you will find or. That means or. What was going to come through the door of his house? You know, what was it going to be? Something that would be the Lord's or something that would be a burnt offering? And then in verse 40, where it says that the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah, that word lament has a definition of to talk with. Lament means to talk with. And so... I'll, I'll never believe that he cremated his daughter, but that he consecrated his daughter to the Lord. And the sacrifice that that would be in and of himself in his life. He had no other children. 
he would not have any grandchildren if his pure daughter was given to the Lord. He wouldn't have a son-in-law. He wouldn't have the, the family situation grow. He was unfortunate in his family growing up. He wouldn't have the opportunity to build that family based on the promise that he made. Could he just break his promise? Could he say that I didn't know it would be my daughter coming out of the house, dancing and twirling in joy over the victory that you gave me, God, in this battle, that it was her that I would have to give you by way of promise? Could he do that? Or would he give her to the Lord? He made a vow. He made a promise. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, In verse 4, it says, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better it is that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Jephthah promised God. Jephthah vowed a vow. And it involves his only child, his precious daughter, that he would give her to the Lord. And he did that. This was a man in all that he's been through, but in all that God is in his life, and all that God had him to overcome. This is a man who was bound to his word. We need more of that today. We need people who are people of their word. There are a few people I do business with, and the reason why I do business with them is because I can do business on a handshake with them. We don't have to exchange any signatures or contracts or anything like that. If a man makes a promise to me, he's going to work on something, and I make a promise to him that I'm going to pay him. And it's by word of mouth. And we keep our word to each other. I know we can't do that in most things, but I love it in these little situations where I can do that. Where I can say, hey, do you need some money to buy the material before you do it? Sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no. If I give it, at the end when it's time to pay, I'm like, I, I can say, hey, there was that $50 I paid for the material. Oh yeah, that's right. And never a problem, never a disagreement. We can just be men of our word and doing business together. And I love that. But no one expects anyone to be people of their word today. We have, we have gotten ourselves in such a big hurry and so much going on and so many excuses to be made that, that no one even expects someone to be people of their word. It's excused away when someone is not a person of their word. Whatever happened to a man's word is his bond. This generation needs to keep their word and stand behind their promise. I tried to teach the teenagers stuff through the years. 
and we would have a youth event. And I would have sign-up sheets. And it was so exhausting, just a pound over text after text to them. You know, and, and, I, and I love teenagers. We have great teenagers. We've always had great teenagers. I'm just saying to, to do this. It, it took a lot of work. But, but you have a sign-up sheet, and you get somebody to sign up, and they commit to go, and they give their money. And if something comes up and the families go on vacation, they didn't know that's one thing. But if they just decide they don't want to go, and they want to go hang out with a friend, and they're wondering if they could get their money back, I would, they would get a lecture. I couldn't force them to do anything, but they would get a lecture. And I would say, look, when you, when you sign this, you have committed to something. And you really need to be faithful to your commitment. Whatever you put your name to, whatever you put your money to, follow through with it and do it. To, to teach this integrity, to teach this being a person of your word. That's what God is making us when we're more like Him. Because God has never broken a promise. And we're becoming conformed to the image of His dear Son as we're being sanctified, living in His will. We need to keep our promises. We need to keep our promises to God. We need to keep our promises to our spouses. We need to keep our promises to our children. We need to keep our promises to our church. We need to be committed to the Lord's church. We need to vow vows. I used to say, well, we don't have to vow a vow. We don't have to make a promise to God, and it would be better if we didn't. Well, I've changed my mind about some things over the years, and I've decided that God's worthy of making promises to, that our God, our Father, He is worthy of committing to. He is worthy of verbalizing to Him a commitment from our heart to Him, from our lives, in serving Him, and to be a man or a woman of our word to God. Numbers chapter 30, verse 2 says, If a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. Deuteronomy 23, 21 says, When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. God doesn't know the concept of a broken promise or a broken vow. That's why I've said before, if we promise God we're going to run a mile and we break our leg, God's still expecting the mile. You get it? Because He doesn't know the concept of a broken promise to Him. He doesn't accept it. This man, this man was a man of His Word. How good is it that God can make us into such a people that we will back our word, that we will hold our word to Him, that we will hold our word to others. And, you know, maybe, maybe someone listening tonight, I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on 
with God using Jephthah in our life tonight, but it just may be that someone has broken a promise to another. And, and, and maybe it's that you or I need to go to that person and, and we need forgiveness for the promise we've broken unto them. In some cases, it's not possible to go to that person. But have we gone to the Lord and confessed to Him of our word that we didn't make good on, our vow that we did not stick to, our promise that we broke? We can confess that to the Lord tonight. Or, or maybe there's a promise that you would like to make to your Lord God tonight. That He's worthy of it. That He's worthy of, of our hearts being committed to Him. That there is a, a certain area or, or, or just something certain that we want to do for God. And, and we know it's something pleasing to God. And we're going to commit to, to that tonight. Maybe that's someone here this evening. Not that we would, we would go through an impulsing, emotional bargaining with God. If He would do this, we would do that in the spur of the moment and not hold it up. But something sincere from our lives that we would like to commit ourselves to, to our God. That's nothing but good for us. You know, it's the beginning of the year. And as I've said, there's no, there's no greater power in January 1 than any other day of the year. But here we are close to the beginning of the year and it's, it's a good record. It helps us to keep a good record of what we might commit to God and promise to God tonight. He's, he's worthy of it. He deserves it. He deserves His people to be committed unto Him. Or maybe there's someone listening tonight who has never trusted in the Lord's promise of salvation. He promises to save all who will call upon His name. If you see yourself as a sinner tonight, and you know that Jesus Christ died for your sins, and you can call upon Him, and you can trust His promise to save you. Would you do that tonight? Because, because no relig religious organized classroom type of setting and some man telling you you're right, that's, that's never going to get it. There is no peace in, there's deception in that, but there's no peace in that. There's no peace in any kind of outward ordinance like baptism or anything we can do that would give us peace with God. But trusting in His promise to save us. Many people are searching for someone in this world. All they need is someone they can completely depend on who will never break a promise to them. And look, in this generation... We need to be people who keep our word. We need to be people who keep our promises. But let's get real. We're not perfect. And, and we are going to be disappointed in some way by someone in this world. But never by God. Never by Almighty God. Never by His Son, Jesus Christ, who secured that sacrifice on the cross at Calvary. 
to pay for all of our sins. He promises to save you. You have the word of God that he will save you from your sins if you will trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And we pray that that happens to you before you leave tonight, before you turn off our broadcast tonight for all who are listening in. And so at this time, we're going to go to the Lord in a word of prayer and we're going to close our Bible study. I I hope that something in Jephthah's life has been good for you tonight. It's, it's been good for me. There's, there have been things in here that I need from someone we don't hear about very often. But praise the Lord for that. And, and with that, we're going to close in a word of prayer.